If you want to be first, you have to be last. And if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you have to be the servant of all. Welcome to the Athens First UMC Sermons Podcast. I'm Sarah Lawing, Director of Online Productions. We hope you'll enjoy this weekly resource. Sure is good to be here with you today. It's been a long time since I've stood here and looked out and seen your faces. This is good. You know, it's like in that first page in the first chapter of Genesis and God's doing all that stuff that God is doing, speaking all that stuff into existence and there's a pause and then God says, this is good. It's appropriate today. This is good. It's good to see that choir loft filled with chairs too. Uh, That's a harbinger of things to come. The scripture today is from Mark chapter 9. The story picks up at verse 33. Then they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, Jesus asked them, What were you arguing about along the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. Jesus sat down and called the twelve and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And then he took a little child and he put it among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing and the understanding of his word. Let's pray together. Lord, today, open our hearts and open our minds, open our spirits so that we might hear what it is you intend to share with us this day. Lord, put your words in my mouth so that we might hear and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. I've grew up mostly in large cities. My father was career Navy and you know, they put Navy bases next to large cities. That's just the way it worked. And uh, uh, when there wasn't a Navy base, uh, wasn't a city close to a Navy base, one grew up there. Uh, it's just part of what my experience was. And it wasn't until I moved to Georgia as an adult that I spent much time or any time in a rural church and in rural Methodism. Um, I learned about the tradition of homecoming. I didn't know anything about that. I'd never, never experienced that before. And some of you may know about homecomings and you know, that's where they invite a former pastor to come back and spend a day. And, and they, uh, the, the real focus of course is too much to eat, but they, they have a big meal and it seems to me, and I don't know if this is always true, but the amount of food per person 
is inversely proportional to the size of the congregation. In other words, the smaller the church, the more food there was per person. I mean, there was way, way, way too much food. I remember one of my uh, favorite experiences as a young pastor in a rural church was the former minister. We invited him for homecoming and he came and we had worship and then we got to the fellowship hall to have lunch and, and I asked him, I said, would you say the blessing for the meal? And he said, sure. And he bowed his head and everybody bowed their head and he said, dear Lord, please forgive us for what we're about to do. Because gluttony is a sin, you know. So I, this homecoming tradition, they sometimes had a, a gospel quartet or some kind of music group. And after we ate too much, we came back in the sanctuary and heard music. And that kind of went on. All, then you took time to time out after about an hour or an hour and a half of music to go back and have dessert, you know. And, uh, and this, this tradition was about remembering the good old days. People talked about, well, you remember two generations ago where Miss So-and-so did this. Or, you know, we remember when old Mr. So-and-so brought his goat to church or whatever it was, you know. And they told all these stories. And they remembered. Now, I haven't had an experience of a homecoming here. I don't know if that tradition has ever been around or will ever be around here. But it's good to remember how you got here. It's good to think about it. Athens has a wonderful heritage. We've been here since the early 1800s. You may know some of this story. I had to do a little research, not being from Athens, and so I had to understand a little bit more what was going on. Around 1804, a fellow by the name of Hope Hall, Hull Street, Hope Hall, preached at a building that they built for a Methodist church house, and it was somewhere between here and Watkinsville. It was south of here. I'm not sure exactly where. And the, in fact, the history says it was a poorly constructed building and had no chimney. So you know what that means. That means that it was cold inside in the wintertime. And uh, Hope Hall died in 1818. And this, the history says there was no Methodist presence for six years and people wondered if there ever would be again. And then in 1824, Thomas Hancock, Hull Street, Hancock Street, you get the connections here. Thomas Hancock gave a parcel of land so they could build a church here. They built a wooden structure, and in 1828, the Georgia Conference of Methodism appointed the first pastor. So I guess technically you could say we've been here since... 1804, but also 1828 would be an appropriate date too. That's how it all got started. And people have been doing Methodist stuff here ever since. Now I tell you that because the bottom line is simply, we are here because of all that. And then everything that happened between 1828 and today through all those generations. Because of somebody's faithful hard work. The blood, sweat, and tears, and financial support of so many people. Years and years. 
Years of work, years of faithful giving, years of singing hymns of faith, years of taking the offering, years of prayers. If you just counted one weekly worship service each week from that time until now, that's over 10,000 sermons. That's over 10,000 pastoral prayers. That's over 10,000 opening hymns. That's over 10,000 closing hymns. We know this didn't just happen. Getting from there to here wasn't automatic. It wasn't easy. So how did it happen? The best answer? Just one person. Just one person. Who do we have to give the credit to or who do we have to give the blame? Was it Thomas Hall? Thomas Hancock? Should I give you the name? I'm not going to do that. I want you to think about it. I'll encourage you to think for a while on whose efforts have been most significant to build the church on. Whose efforts have made all the difference. But it's natural for us to try and imagine the disciples wondered who was the greatest, didn't they? They wondered who was the greatest. This story that we read this morning, it's an interesting one. Taylor Miller and I were talking about this story during the week in the office and uh, one of the comments we made was, can you imagine Jesus getting to the house with his disciples and saying, so what y'all been talking about? And they all get quiet and they look down at the floor and try not to meet his gaze. He said, what, what, y'all, what you been talking about? I know what you've been talking about. You've been talking about who's the greatest. Who's made the most difference? How did we get here? Just one. Jesus told his disciples, it always comes down to just one person. But the answer wasn't who they expected. It wasn't who was in charge. It wasn't the one making the decisions. It wasn't the most important one of all. He said, it's the servant. If you want to be first, you have to be last. And if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you have to be the servant of all. That's not the pedigree we expect. It's not the pedigree that we think about in this world. We want the person who's the best, the highest, the one who has the most honor. But that's not the way it works in the kingdom. It's the one who does for others. That's the key. The one who sees the need and fills it. The one who works to keep things going. The one who supports the congregation with their prayers, their presence, their gifts, their service, their witness. Not with fanfare, but quietly, faithfully, humbly serving others in the name of Jesus Christ. It might be somebody you know, but I doubt it. I doubt you know who they are. Because they do it behind the scenes. Just one person. 
the one who draws near to God and prays for the church each and every day, the one who prays for the pastors and the leaders of the church that God might work through them, the one who prays for the members, their friends, but also those who are not their friends. It takes just one, just one person. The one who comes to worship each week and sings the songs of faith and professes their faith in spirit and in truth and receives that message every single week, imagining, I wonder, I just wonder, what is God saying to me today? Not what is God saying to the person in the pew behind me. Just one person, the one who gives generously to the work of the kingdom, the one who's a faithful steward and treats stewardship as a sacred trust in their lives, who gives when the offering plate is passed, but who also gives when there's no church service. They just give their contribution because that's who they are. One person, the one who finds their place of service and makes a commitment to a ministry and who honors that commitment and, and serves by teaching or leading or ushering or singing in the choir, volunteering in the office, serving in the kitchen, working in the nursery, helping with children's ministry or youth ministry or building a habitat house or going on a mission trip or serving on a committee, doing all sorts of things that make a congregation thrive and grow. It's, that's the one. That's the one. Just one person. It's the one who goes to Bible study and reads Scripture and allows God to change them. The one who lives a new life because God works within them, creating a faithful heart. You see, the power of one person makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. This past year has been a challenging year for all of us. In our own personal lives, in the life of the church, in the life of the community, in the life of our state and our world. Now, I don't want to get distracted by global pandemic logistics or no, no debate about that today. But I have seen, my observation is this, that one person does make a difference. One person who decides that they're going to serve in the Super Supper program, despite the fact that we can't get people in the building. And they're going to figure out a way to feed people, even if they have to stand out there in the drive-thru and pass out food. They're going to figure out a way to do this. They're going to be somebody who, who says, I know it's dangerous for me to go to work at the hospital, but, but people are sick and they need me, and I'm going to go. Because they need my nursing skill, or they need my, my medical expertise and knowledge, and so I'm going to be there. Look around at our community. 
There are so many places where we need to fill a void by our efforts and our energy and our resources. We're not called to fill all the voids in the world, but we are called to fill the ones where we can make a difference. We might not be called to end world hunger, but we can feed people here in Athens. We might not be called to end violence around the world, but we can be peacemakers in our community and in our homes. For generations, for 200 years, people have come to this place and heard the call and responded in faith. And we're here today because of them, because of those people. Thanks be to God for their faithfulness. I wonder if one day in the future they'll think about us. This week I was reading this scripture and contemplating what I might share with you and I thought, well, it's Memorial Day weekend. Why do I pick this to talk about on Memorial Day weekend? I'm talking about sacrifice. I'm talking about sacrifice. I could tell you about my daddy 40 plus years, naval career. When cancer took him, we buried him in his uniform with military honors. He made such a difference. I could tell you about my great uncle Herbert, who came back because he was shot. He limped his way home, as we say, and lived as a disabled veteran. He was brave. But this is not their weekend. I could tell you about my brother, who after a distinguished military career, went into law enforcement and had a distinguished law enforcement career. He's now retired enjoying the fruits of his labors, but it's not his weekend. Memorial Day tomorrow is different than that. This is when we recognize those who gave everything, who gave their lives in combat, who gave their lives in uniform. And we decorate the graves of soldiers and sailors, Air Force, Marines, Navy, Army, remembering our military personnel who died from the Civil War, World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Korea, Iraq, Afghanistan, and beyond. They've sacrificed their lives each one is significant. Each one matters. The wreath in the chancel is there to honor them today. As I said, I grew up in a military family and I went to school with the children of men and women who were in the armed services. We were all, most of us, Navy brats, but you know, all, all, uh, there's a whole variety of, I won't use them all, names that they called us who were the dependents. Uh, in my school, there were many who went to Vietnam and gave their lives there. I could tell you about Eddie Mercer. I could tell you about Billy Lawrence. And I could tell you about Louis Travers, but and they're memorialized 
etched in granite in Washington, D.C. on the wall. This is their day. This is their weekend. I want to take a moment to remind you of something you already know. One person makes a difference. One person makes a difference. It just takes one person to transform a life, a congregation, to, to, to lead in faith and commitment, who's willing to be a servant. Back in 2005, the students who enrolled in Martha Cothran's social studies class at Robinson High School in Little Rock, Arkansas, arrived for the first day of class to discover there were no desks in the classroom. She had removed all the desks. And the students said, where are our desks? And she said, you cannot have the desks until you tell me how you earn them. They thought for a little bit and one said, well, by our grades, right? She said, no, nope, not by your grades. And the students talked and they thought for a little while and they said, well, by our good behavior, right? She says, no, not even by your good behavior. You cannot earn that desk. So the students sat on the floor that day. Second period came and the students came in. Same experience, third period, fourth, went through the whole day. The last period of the day, there not only were the students in that class, but the hallways were lined with people trying to figure out what was going on, including other teachers. And finally, Ms. Cothran said, throughout the day, no one has really understood how you earn the desks in this classroom. Now I'm going to tell you. And she went to the door of the classroom. She opened the door. And in walked 27 U.S. veterans in uniform, each one carrying a desk. And they brought the desks in and set them down. And then they stood around the room. And the teacher said, you don't have to earn these desks. They did it for you. They put them here. But it's up to you to sit in them responsibly to learn to be good students and good citizens because they paid a price for you to have that desk. That was the first lesson of the year in social studies. I bet that was a good class. Now let me ask you a question. How have you earned your spot in your pew today? What have you done so that that's your spot in the pew? Like Miss Cothran's class, somebody else did it for you. Somebody made the sacrifice so you could be here in this beautiful sanctuary to worship. It only took one person, but they were faithful and they were loyal and they were unselfish and they were giving and caring and loving and they had more concerns for the needs of those who came after them than they did for themselves. Perhaps 
Perhaps many years from now, folks will be having a church service like one this morning and wondering who made the difference back in 2021. They'll hear, sto hear stories about a global pandemic that they really didn't, had, did not experience and how churches gave sacrificially so that people were safe and healthy and cared for in extraordinary ways. They'll learn about the perseverance of the saints who adapted and created ways to worship and serve despite the challenges. And they'll hear about the one person, the person who sacrifices, who gives, the person who lives their lives for others' benefit. I wonder if they'll think of us. I wonder. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at Athens First UMC. Oh,